could see everybody today. I'll start my clock so that way I don't preach too long. Okay. Um, we're going through a series called Apprentice to Jesus, as we saw up there. Um, this is going to be our, our ser- sermon series. You know, in the Christian world, we use a word called disciple or discipleship a lot. But a lot of us, if you're like me, don't know exactly what that means. It's not like you know somebody, hey, do you know Matthew? Yeah, he's a disciple. Um, we don't use that term. And so apprentice is a pretty good switch word. So we'll let, let's for the next like month, let's just switch when we read our scriptures and we see the word disciple, put in the word apprentice because it's something we understand just a little bit better. So let's just start here. What is an apprentice? Um, we're gonna, you, you have these in your sermon notes and I'm going to put them up here. A couple bullet points. This is a, a sermon that preaches itself, this part of it. So I don't, I don't think I need to spell a lot of this out to you. An apprentice is one who makes a binding commitment to a master craftsman in order to learn their trade through observation and imitation, okay? Apprentices traditionally don't learn through classes, but rather through a continuous process of close observation and personal imitation, got it? They're not reading a book about something. An apprentice is, I mean, Taylor, you know all about this. An apprentice is someone who's with the actual master. They get to watch first and then try it themselves under the supervision so someone can say, hey, why did you do it this way? or maybe this is a better way to do it, right? Their knowledge isn't merely abstract or theoretical, but concrete and practical. Learn by doing in the midst of life and work. You guys putting these together? Yeah. Um, The purpose of apprenticeship is to eventually be able to perform the craft with a skill and ease approaching that of the master. Um, This is where it differs a little bit for me, um, because the way it works is an apprentice is usually about a three-year deal, then you become a journeyman, and you become a master yourself, hopefully one day. But I never want to get out of the apprenticeship, because the reason Jesus wants me to be his apprentice is because he likes to be with me. And the reason why I want to be his apprentice is because I want to be like him. So yes, I want to improve in skills and things like that, but more than anything, I just want to be with him. We're going to talk about two things today, an apprenticeship and prayer, both are ruses of the Lord to get to spend time with you, um, because that is really what he wants. Um, An apprentice has obligations to his teacher that are intrinsic in the relationship. So the apprentice um, promises to submit to the authority, wisdom, and skill of the master. An apprentice is always a learner, not to be in control. They're not not there to control anything. Uh, The master is always calling the shots, deciding what to do, and the apprentice is there to learn. Um, And they also, um, an apprentice doesn't take side jobs. Um, apprentice is always there. All, the, all their efforts and their resources are going towards uh, the work of the master, not their own things, while they're in, in the apprenticeship. And lastly, um, apprentices also want to conduct all of their lives in a way that brings honor to the reputation of their teacher, recognizing that their identity and status is wrapped up inextricably with that of their master. So in these early ancient, ancient communities, hi, my name's Charlie. So What? <laughs> Uh, yeah, my, I'm an apprentice to this master named Steve. Oh, I know who Steve is, so therefore I know who you are. And so in it, in my, everything I do affects his reputation in that town. Does that make sense? Um, you know, I like the term apprentice because, you know, in today's world, in evangelical culture, we use the term believer and unbeliever a lot just to, to, to describe who people are. And if you use those terms, and I think in the first century, People know what you were talking about, but it wouldn't be very descriptive to them. They'd say, you know, put me in a room with 100 humans, 100 angels, 100 demons, and say, 
Who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? All the angels raise their hand, all the demons raise their hand, and some of the humans raise their hand. You know, but it's a different story. Who's an apprentice of Jesus? You know, I want to be much more than just a believer, or somebody who just says yes to a couple, just a couple sentences. But if I'm an apprentice to Jesus, if I'm spending time with him, learning how to do the things of the kingdom with him, that's a totally different ballgame. Uh, we've been sold a bill of goods in kind of Western post-enlightenment, particular our American version of Christianity, that I can read a book about something and become an expert in it. I can read a book about Christianity, and somehow that makes me a good Christian. Or I can read some books about Jesus, and somehow I know him. But I'm going to ask you a question. Um, Lance, let's say your toilet is clogged, <laughs> and you've tried everything that you can do to unclog this toilet. So I'm going to give you two re referrals for a plumber. The first one, he's written three books on plumbing. He's read probably 1,500 books on plumbing. He teaches plumbing at a college, and he's the guy. He's got two PhDs in plumbing-related fields. Um, but he's never picked up a wrench, and he's never even unclogged his own toilet. Or I'll give you Rick. Rick didn't graduate from high school, but he spent the last three years learning under a master plumber with a wrench in his hand, under supervision, doing the work. Who are you going to choose? Rick. Rick, right? I want to be Rick. I don't want to be the, 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 the expert. But somehow we've convinced ourselves in our brand of Christianity sometimes that we can become an expert in Jesus without ever having spent much time with him. And that's, a, that's sad for everyone. If you're like me, when you hear these stories of an apprentice, like Susie talked about last week, um, oftentimes in our ancient culture, the master would say, not only do I want you to learn from me and work with me, I want you to move into my house. And so you're living with me all the time and learning from me. That's, that's an incredible thing. Uh, when I think of that, I think, uh, you know, I'm a worship leader, uh, sometimes a teacher, and a spiritual director. If someone says, hey, if an older person would come up to me, hey, I do all those things too, way better than you do them, how would you like to just follow me around and spend time with me, and I'll just tell you, I, I wouldn't do it that way, or you can watch me do it, you can ask me why I do things, I would say, yes, I'm definitely up for that. But we live in this culture where we think everyone is so busy, we, we like wear it as a badge, you know, I had a busy week and everyone asked me, hey, what's your week look like? And it, it was just stacked. And if I say, oh, it's really busy, it makes me feel important somehow, like I'm doing a lot of stuff. And that's kind of the culture we live in. And so we think everyone is busy. So for me, that makes me very afraid to ask anyone to do anything that might take up their time. Because time is so valuable, right? Well, here's two very important things to know. One, Jesus is asking us. He's pursuing us to say, hey, will you be an apprentice with me? I really want to take you on as an apprentice. I want you to move in my house. I want to do the things that you do, whether you're a financial planner or an IT guy or you work at a restaurant, no matter what you do. I want to be your apprentice in that and in every other part of your life. And two, just so we don't worry that we're wasting his time, Jesus isn't that busy. Not the way we think of it. I know many of you are thinking, well, he's doing a lot more than we are. Yes, he is doing a lot more, but he has zero limits. The omnipotent God of the universe has no limits. And so you're never wasting his time. He's doing way more than we could ever imagine in any given moment, but he's outside of time and space. So he can give all his energy to every single person on this earth, all his energy, all his attention. So I need to stop thinking of him like he's too busy, like he has better things to do. I think that's something that I do. I don't know if you do that. You know, I, I want to pray. I was like, well, there's so many more important things going on in the world than my little thing. But it's not like that for him because he, he, he doesn't have any limits. 
So what's important to you is important to him. Okay, so Liz and I a lot, oftentimes will talk about, when we talk about Bo, I have a two-year-old son named Bo. He was the one up here that went through worship like this. <laughs> the drums are loud. Um, <laughs> um, but sometimes we talk about, you know, we'll think, we'll think about in the realm of sports or something like that. We'll say, you know, what would we really want him to be excited about or to give himself to? Uh, what sports? Um, and what I've come to hope for in my own fantasy is I, I would really hope that he liked, likes to be a rock climber. It has nothing to do with rock climbing itself, like that's a better thing. I don't even care if he's any good at rock climbing at all. It's not on my, in my radar. But here's my fantasy. This is a total selfish fantasy as a father. I would fantasize about taking him out in the woods for long periods of time, going from crag to crag, teaching him things, but it takes all day to do. And so my selfish reason for wanting him to do that is because I get a whole lot more time with him. That's the one I can think of that gives me the most time, right? That's my motivation. That's God's motivation for inviting you into apprenticeship. That's God's motivation for inviting you into prayer. He's trying to trick us into spending time with him. With him. It's true, because he likes us that much. You know what the number one um, predictor of friendship is? Still to this day. I, was, I would thought this might have changed, so I did some research on it before. Um, the, the number one predictor of friendship, even in the age of the internet. Can anyone know the answer to that question? Proximity. Yeah. Um, same thing. <laughs> the person that you're ending up beside the most, your neighbors or the people you're working with, that's the number one predictor of who you're going to be friends with. It's just time together. Jesus knows this, and so he's taking advantage of this to, offer, to invite us into some things. Okay? So let's transfer. Um, we're gonna, th this series is based on the Sermon on the Mount. So I went and grabbed the prayer part before anyone else would grab it. Um, so let's go to Matthew 6. The whole Sermon on the Mount is a great, if you come at it with the idea of, I'm your apprentice, you're the master, you're teaching me how life works. That's a good way to read the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, and we're going to start with verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So we're going to see Jesus take out both legs of performance in this. That's leg number one, standing in front of other people to pray um, so that you'll be heard by them. That's performance. He's like, nope, don't do that. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay, now he's going to take out the other leg of performance. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Okay, there's the other thing. Uh, babbling like the pagans, just Substitute any technique. If you think the technique is the thing that's going to get you close to God, it doesn't work that way. Go into your room, shut the door, and be alone with him. There's an intimacy that comes with hiddenness. Okay. All right, let's say, I would say this group, but he would always choose Tay-Tay over everybody. <laughs> say, all right, let's see uh, this group right here all you right here in these first three rows would come over to our house, and you'd all come to the front door at the same time. What's going to happen is Bo's going to come up to you, and he's going to assess all of you, and he's going to choose one of you. 
cat. He's going to look at you, and he's going to point to you. Sorry, Hannah. Uh, <laughs> he calls her honey. I'm not calling her honey. <laughs> so he's going to say, he's going to come up to you, and he's going to grab your hand, and he's going to say one of two things. I want to show you something. Or, you want to come to my room? And what he's doing, he likes all of you, but he needs alone time, quiet time, just with one person. He needs that one-on-one time. That's what he's after. So he's going to drag you back to some other room. Let's say it's his room, and he'll get you there. And once you're there, he's won because he's got you. He needs quiet time just alone with one person. And I think this is the image I would love for us to have when we think about prayer. When we see him just singling us out, and again, an omnipotent God can single us all out at the same time so we can all feel special because we are to him. Singling us out and bringing us back and just simply saying, hey, do you want to come to my room? Do you want to get away from the hustle and bustle for a little bit and everyone else and just be with me? That's a picture that we can all have of him. And we'll talk about the alternatives in a second. But I just want to just, uh, he throws a practical thing in here. Uh, Your room. That's a a practical hint, I think, that Jesus is giving us. Um, He's saying there's a a place that just you and I will be. There's there's an intimacy that only comes in hiddenness. In any relationship, what happens behind closed doors just between the two of you, whether it's a spouse um, or whether it's just a friend and there's inside jokes that appear, that, that creates intimacy. There's something only between the two of you. But your room, having a place in your house is a is just a practical way uh, to meet with the Lord. I mean, if you come with me with, uh, with spiritual direction, um, some of the first conversations we'll have, I'll ask you probably, hey, do you have a place in your house that you just is, you set aside for that, that time with the Lord? And if the answer is no, I'll say, well, let's just go. My, one of your first assignments is pick a place. And again, it, don't, it, as Americans, we read that and we think, oh, I have to have a four-bedroom house so I can have one of the bedrooms. If you have that, yes, do that. That'd be great. But most of us don't. Um, he's talking to a group of people mostly that lived in two rooms, and the animals slept in one of the rooms at night. And so it's not like they have these palatial palaces. But just pick a place. It could be your kitchen table at a time when no one else is up or a time when everyone's out of the house. Just any place in your house that you can be alone with him at one point of the day just decide on that because it makes it easier when you're motivated to go pray. Just That's where I go. and just takes one, one hurdle out of the way. So that's just a tip, okay? Again, let's go back to Bo. He's got you in his room, okay? And you say, Bo, what do you want to show me? Or why do you want to take me to your room? He'll look at you like, he's already forgotten the ruse that he used to get you there. <laughs> um, and so uh, he's already won the prize because you're with him. All he wants is alone time with you. Um, and, you know, you can't do it wrong at that point. You can read him a book. You can, you can let him show you everything around his room. He might ask you some questions. Um, he might say, what's your name? He already knows your name. But he's just trying to have a conversation with you, right? Um, you know, I love that because he, at the end of the, 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 um, the Sermon on the Mount, the talk about prayer, then your father, he says, um, he already knows what you're going to say anyway, Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I just read that to you. Um, <laughs> now I have no idea where I am because I've been looking around. Um, but he's already won the prize when he's got you there. Um, and he'll ask you questions. He's, he's been asking a question recently. What are you thinking about? I mean, if that's the image that we get of prayer, that is all that we need. He's got you there. He, he singled you out and said, do you want to come to my room? And once you're there, 
What are you thinking about? You can't do it wrong. Just tell him what you're thinking about. Um, and he's just as happy as a clam just to have you there. That is the picture I want us to have of the Lord in prayer. Hey, will you come to my room? What are you thinking about? And it's just really as simple as that. Many of us avoid taking time to be with Jesus because we think that there's something we have to get right. Or there's uh, some words we have to say or some posture we have to bring with him. And we think that we have to be able to quiet our minds for a certain amount of times when we've somehow failed at prayer. And I just don't think that's true. And he's trying, he is trying to trick us into spending time with him because he likes us that much. I don't think he much cares what it looks like from then on as long as we're doing it together. What he's after is together with both apprenticeship and with prayer. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's an intimacy that only comes with hiddenness. What happens when no one else knows about it. Oftentimes I think that, you know, we think that we, we try out these different spiritual practices. And sometimes that's, we put the cart before the horse because we need a better image of God before we do that. Or we won't want to do it in the first place. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I get the picture of God just sitting in the chair waiting for me to get there. And when I finally show up, it's like, well, it's about time you can't got here. And then when it, time, when it comes time to leave, it's like, you're leaving already? This is all the time I get? And I think that's the image sometimes we get. And so why, no wonder we don't want to spend time with him. But what if our image just changes to him seeking me out, pointing me out of a crowd saying, hey, I want to show you something. Do you want to come to my room? Okay. And when we get there, I've, he's one because I'm here. What are you thinking about? I mean, prayer can be honestly that simple. Do we have any questions? <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave you with three things. Um, just real, real simple, practical things to help. Uh, one, decide on any specific place in your house. Again, it doesn't matter where it is. It's just some place that you can be alone at one point in your, in your day. Um, doesn't have to be at the own specific room. Two, decide on the time. And it'd be great if it was like this time every week or this time every day. Um, that's great if you have that. But if this isn't part of your normal life, just pick one day. On Tuesday at 3 o'clock, I think this will work. And just put it on your calendar and give it a shot. And three, this is for everybody. What if we just tried this image on? I think the image we get before we pray is, is more important than what actually happens in the time. So show up and just see the God of the universe coming and singling you out and saying, hey, do you want to come to my room? And then when you sit with him, just answer the question, what are you thinking about? And just know that he has chosen you, he is pursuing you, and is drawing you to this place to be with him because he likes you that much. That's it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we say yes. If you're asking us to come to your room, we say yes. We're so thankful that it's not something we have to achieve or we have to somehow do something to gain your attention. But you pick us out of a crowd. You pick us all out of the crowd. And you say, do you want to come to my room with me? All I want to do is spend time with you. And thank you that there's not a bunch of hoops that we have to jump through correctly or certain time that we have to spend, but Lord, that you are just happy to have us there and that you feel like you won just when we show up. Lord, 
plant this image on our brains. And let us enjoy you the way that you enjoy us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.